This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep. Where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here there's always one more deadline to meet. Episode to watch or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep. But we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Max Cohen, who is a co-host and also writes for Hamian.com. We are live on my own Twitter account and on the Cottage Talk Facebook page and also on my own Facebook page. So we're live in three different places, Max. In this episode, we're going to look back at the disappointing 3-0 loss for Fulham's return to the Premier League against Arsenal. It's been a few days, but I'm I'm still, uh, you know, looking back at that. I'm, you know, not happy with the result, but I, I have some thoughts on it. I know you wrote some thoughts on it, so we have a lot to get to. When we, when we uh, look back at this, but before we do anything else, I also want to mention that if you have a question for Max or myself, please feel free to uh, share it with us in the comment section uh, because we are recording live and this will also be a podcast. Anyone that has watched or listened to Cottage Talk knows that, but just want to let, let anyone know who's new to the show. All right, my friend, let's get into this and let's get your opening thoughts. I thought the best way to start off Opening thoughts would be Mad Max back with a whimper. This is your article from Hamian.com. So just tell us your opening thoughts and you can talk a little bit about your article. And I've got some thoughts on that too. Yeah. Well, it's always good to be on. It's almost better to be on after a loss sometimes to get out all the anger and frustration. Sure, vent. And, and that's, that's how I feel this weekend. Okay. Um, yeah. Back with a whimper. It speaks for itself for us. Uh, it was a big anticipation, you know, the high of getting promoted. Um, but we realized what the Premier League is. And I'd forgotten a little bit. I think we had forgotten. But it, it's an unforgiving league. Right? Absolutely. And it's even more unforgiving when we play, when we defend, like we did on Saturday. <laughs> and honestly, I, I think it hasn't been talked about enough. But when we attack the way, the way we did on Saturday, there was no cutting edge. We made defensive errors and we gifted Arsenal goals. And as I wrote on Hamian, we look like a championship quality team because we were. We, we had no summer signings. Parker stuck with the side that essentially got us up through the playoffs, the semifinals and the final. And it wasn't good enough. Um, and a lot of people have listened, said, listen, it's against Arsenal. It's one of the best teams in the division, one of the best attacks yeah. in the division. Maybe. I'd say two things to that. I'd say, I agree. Arsenal's a good side. But what's most concerning is that the two goals that gave them the win, you know, the third goal was quality. But the first two goals, that was not a quality team move by Arsenal. That wasn't blowing us out of the park. Those were issues of our own making. True. And that to me had nothing to do with Arsenal and had everything to do with our poor back four. And honestly, poor goalkeeping by Rodak. And that's why I say, listen, you can talk all you want about it was a good team. You know, we're not going to beat Arsenal. Yep. But it wasn't that Arsenal were quality in the goals we conceded. It was that we were so poor, and that's why I was striking such a such an alarming tone uh, on Hamian yep. because I really was concerned. I didn't see this as Arsenal playing us off the park, although they did. 
the goals we conceded were the same individual errors that we saw back in 2018-19. And, you know, as I said, back with a wimp, we're back in the Premier League, but yep. it's very much what we saw two years ago. Okay. Before I get my comments, I'm just going to share a couple just uh, notes from, from people who are joining us live. So let's just share this just to say hello to us. Evening from the UK, Russ. And also just want to share this as well. Our friend Brian Lake. Hello, gentlemen. So thank you guys for, for joining us live. And okay, Max, I'm actually going to do this. I'm actually going to read the end of your article and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Here's the end of your article, okay? I'm just going to read. It says, things will likely get better as our summer signings get acclimated and mesh into the team. But for now, it's clear that Fulham cannot seriously expect to retain their Premier League status with a championship quality team. Okay. It's funny because in that paragraph, you make my argument. This is not going to be the team that we're going to be see throughout the season, Max. And I understand to make this judgment because we're going to talk about overreaction Saturday. I, I, I know you have some thoughts on it. And I tweeted a preemptive strike on that before the match even began. I called it overreaction Saturday because I knew that there would be an overreaction. Positively or negatively, if Fulham lost, it would be a negative reaction, which that's what we got. If it was close or Fulham got something from it, it might have been positive. But again, you have to put it into context. So let's go back and let's talk about that paragraph. Because again, Max, Scott Parker explained why these players didn't play. They weren't ready to play, okay, for several reasons. Again, if you've heard Parker's response to why these players didn't play, we're talking about Teti and talking about Ana and even Lamina, all of them weren't ready to play it, the new players. So when you factor them in, this is a different team. I know, Max, we're going to talk about it. They desperately need a center back. Totally agree with you. But what we saw against Arsenal, again, I can even go back to Barnsley. Barnsley, again, that wasn't the Fulham team that we ended the season with, and that was last season. It, it takes time for a team to come together to have these players come in. And I've heard others say, well, other teams have started the new players. Why didn't Fulham? Well, again, this is what Scott Parker went with. He is getting them slowly to integrate with the team. It's a system. So, Max, let's be honest here. The players, again, that have not joined us, they're factors too. And then, of course, you got Mitro coming off the bench. We'll talk about him in a bit. And then, of course, Nguisa. So, yes, he went with a, the championship team. But this, I truly believe, is not going to be what the Fulham team will look like as we get into the season, Max, because we have these new players. Yeah, it's a great point. I totally agree. This is this is not a team we'll see next week or in the week after that. This is definitely not not a long-term solution for how we're going to play. And the new signings will come in, which I'm happy about. Right. I'd say my, my counterpoint to that, or just one comment I have on that, is that we haven't signed any central defenders, players who primarily play there, right? Yep. Right, and and that's what I've been saying is the biggest area of concern. So although I definitely am excited to see the wing backs, the defensive midfielders, etc., and the goalkeeper, we don't have a center back coming in who's new. And I I think we need two at least. Honestly, I think we need competition from Hector and Reem. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I think everyone should agree with that. Not not because yeah. I hate Hector or I hate Tim Reem. I actually love both those players. I think they're great servants to the club, Tim Reem for sure. And Hector was great to get us promoted. But I think in every Premier League side, you should have healthy competition. Totally agree. And and that's that, again, I don't think that's a radical statement. At no. the same time, you should have healthy competition for two players who I really believe are not really good enough for the Premier League. And maybe Hector will be, but I, I'm pretty sure Reem isn't. And I think everyone would agree with that. So See, right. we need competition. We need reinforcements. There's still around you know three weeks ago before the window closes. So I'm not gonna sound the alarm bells. But if you look at the, our, our fixtures. We have some winnable fixtures coming up. Absolutely. And I want a good side in be, when we play those teams because that may prove crucial, you know, when we get down to May, the end of the season. Well, very interesting thoughts by you. And, again, I agree with you with competition. I've complained. You've seen it on Twitter. Fans have seen it. I was very upset that they let Alfie Moss and go out on loan. Now, on uh, our preview show, Gordon Davis – Again, his theory was that Mawson needed some time to really get back into basically being getting back to himself and probably needed to go out on loan and then potentially could come back to Fulham at some point. He could be right on that. I, I don't know if Gordon's right, but if he is right about that, that does make sense. 
But why do you not have a center back coming in to replace him? I, I made the argument. I agree with you that they need competition. They, I wouldn't disagree that they potentially need two center backs. You know, it's funny because we always talk about they need a center back. Maybe they need two. Here's my thing. Reem is Reem. And I was actually going to do a banner that said Reem is Reem, but I decided not to. But I will just say this, that I think we know what we have with Tim Reem in the Premier League. I love what Tim Reem has offered. I, I want to give the guys from Full and Focus a lot of credit because they talked a lot about Tim Reem on their podcast and talked about what a servant he has been to the club. I agree with all that. He's not good enough for the Premier League. I I think you, you and me, Max, can agree on that. He's not good enough. Now, the thing about Hector that, that gets me is it's one match. I think, it, again, it's an overreaction. We'll talk about overreaction Saturday. And I think Michael Hector, again, did not play well against Arsenal. But one, it's Arsenal. Two, it's his first match in the Premier League. It's very harsh to make a judgment on him right now. But do we need competition? Absolutely. I totally agree with you because if you look at the fullback positions, they brought in competition. Well, why have they not brought in competition yet at the center back position? And they actually need at least one replacement because, again, I think Michael Hector is good enough, but only time will tell if I'm right on that. But you, I, I would agree with you, Max. Maybe two center backs. You need competition. They brought competition in so many different places. They need competition at the center back position. They certainly need another striker. So things still need to be done. I, I, I'm there with you on, on that. But, again, I'm not rushed to judgment on what's been going on. And, again, like I said, let's now transition. Let's talk about this. We might have a good debate going on on our hands now. It's called Overreaction Saturday. I tweeted this out before the match began because I knew what was going to happen right after the match, positively or negatively, that there was going to be this reaction on social media, not just on Twitter, but on Facebook as well. And I basically was trying to just put it out there that it's one match. We're back in the Premier League. Let's put it in context and let's just enjoy being back in the Premier League, whatever happens, and, you know, not make too many judgments. Now, I think you can make a judgment on Tim Ream, Max, because we know what Tim Ream is in the Premier League, okay? That's different than making a judgment on the team itself. And we'll talk about the starting 11 and the 18 overall, why we feel Scott Parker did what he did, because I've heard different theories on that. But I knew that there was going to be this overreaction, and it was fierce on Twitter. So let's just talk about the reaction. And I have a feeling you don't agree with me that it was an overreaction. So what are your thoughts about me calling Saturday overreaction Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good larger point about social media. And we've talked about this before that always the loudest voices rise to the fray. And yeah. you get more engagement on a post that's really angry than one that's measured and methodical and has both sides. So I agree with that point. But let's just talk about what happened to us. Right? We haven't talked about it. 10 minutes in, right? Um, there's a shot from Xhaka, edge of the box. Yep. It, it goes to Tim Ream. And what happens next, I, I don't really know. what. I don't think anyone can explain. I don't even think he can explain. Yep. It just gets stuck at his feet. Joe Bryan is at left position watching Alexander Lacazette. It's almost like his hands are on his knees. He, he's just looking, staring like, oh, it's a great day to be out on the football pitch. Nice day by the Thames. Ball watching. Not even marking the man. And Lacazette top taps in, right? Terrible, terrible error. And honestly, Joe Bryan doesn't get talked about. Reem had an error for sure. Joe Bryan had error. I think is just as bad. Letting his man just go unmarked, right? Yep. And then let's talk about what happened next. You know, forty-eight minutes in, start of the second half, we're only down one nil, right? Matches in reach. Corner comes in, and Michael Hector has a man, Gabriel, new signing from Arsenal. Just, just lets him jump up for a header, five yards out. Hector yep. doesn't jump, maybe puts an arm on his back, just lets it go. Rodak, let's talk about Rodak. <laughs> That's not a very hard ball that, that Gabriel headed. No. He lets it go through his legs, right? He gets nutmeg. Um, so he, so that, that's the facts of why I was unhappy, right? Okay. And I think what's really why I reacted the way I did is because you can't fix that on a training ground, right? You, you, these players, Hector knows you jump for a header. Reem knows you clear the ball away from the goal. Joe Bryan knows you mark your man. This is nothing that needs to be instilled. They already know these things. It's the same thing that killed us years ago, which makes me so concerned, is that individual errors, yep. defensive switch-offs. You can't really coach that. That is within the players, and they just 
lapse of concentration and it killed us so many times last time in the top flight. So many times. And we didn't actually play too terribly on Saturday. No. But we no, wilted under pressure. We, really we had do. these things, Russ. And yeah. that's why I reacted the way I did. It's yeah. inexplicable, the errors. And you can't do them in the top flight. We will be punished. We got punished. Yep. And I don't see anything that will change. I don't see anything that changes unless new players come in. And okay. again, it's a risk that they'll, that, that they'll gel, that they'll adjust to life in England. Sure. But that's why I was concerned, Ross, is because yep. our defense is so porous. And it's the slightest, the, the slightest you know, bit of pressure. People make mistakes. And you can't have that in the top flight. Okay. You can't have them in the best league in the world. That's why I was so upset. Okay. Well, again, here's my counter to all of this. And I agree with you that we saw it two seasons ago. No one wants to talk about two seasons ago. I'm just going to mention it. Mistake after mistake, kill form, okay? Defensive mistakes. But here's my counter. Look at the players that are going to come in. You got you have competition now at left back, okay? And you also have serious competition at right back now. So these players will come in. We'll see how they interact with the team, like you said. How will they be part of the mix? And then you also now have an option. Now, I agree with going with Rodak right now, but you have another goalkeeper. So things can change because there's all this competition now. So, again, I think we're looking at a team that's not complete. And I, I think it's hard to judge a team on one match that's certainly not complete. And like you and I are talking about, if they do not bring in a center back and, like you said, potentially two center backs, there could be trouble for the entire season. I, I, I can say that, and I don't think that's me – Overreacting, I think that's reality. Reality is they are very weak right now at the center back position overall. They need players or at least one, you know. And again, like I said, I'm not closing the book at all on Michael Hector after one match. There's no way. There's no way he needs time to adjust to the Premier League. And I think he's going to be fine because I think that he, one, he has the physical attributes. And I think it, the speed of the Premier League and going against a bombing and Lacazette, I think, is a challenge in itself. I think that will, could actually benefit Michael Hector going through that in the first match. Going into the second match against Leeds, I think he will, would have learned a great deal from that match. So, so there could be positives to come out of the negatives in that first match for Michael Hector. Do not rule out Michael Hector coming good. Because I think Michael Hector has all of the attributes to be a very good player in the Premier League. And I think it's just harsh to make a judgment after one match. So that, that, that's kind of also about my overreaction Saturday. But I also want to mention, because you talked about the Rodak situation. And let's talk about this as well, because I have a comment about this. Let's talk about Mitra. Mitra was missed for a couple of reasons. But Mitra was also missed in a situation like this. And I think you're going to agree with me. But what, let me share this combination from our friend Roy Richardson. Hi, guys. Why did Mitro play two internationals but didn't start on Saturday? What, what are your thoughts about that? But also, you had mentioned the poor goal that Rodak gave up. If you have Mitro in there, I don't know if it's that easy for Arsenal to score because he's such a presence on set pieces defensively. Yeah, it's it's a good point by Roy. I think it's like the answer is in his question almost. I think the reason he didn't start is perhaps he played two international games yep. in such short span of time and Parker didn't think it was fully fit. Right. It's kind of that age-old conflict between your club manager and your national team manager. The club manager always wants the national team to take it easy on their star players but because when they come back from international duty, Mitro's probably tired. Right. But let's not forget, I mean, he wasn't even fit to play more than 20 minutes back in, I mean, it was August, right? It was the first week of August of the playoff final. Very short break, and then he goes and plays two games with Serbia. So I think Mitra needs a rest. I don't think he was fully fit to start. That's why, um, because I don't think there's any question if he's fit, you start Mitra. I yeah, that's, totally that's agree. Yeah. And you're right. He, he does offer uh, things on both sides of the pitch. Heads Absolutely. And, and, and scores goals at the other end. I was just surprised. Um, maybe not surprised, but I was just disappointed by the set piece defending. Oh, Part of it, I think, is Rob Holding um, runs actually behind Rodak. Yep. Before the ball comes in, that creates a lot of uncertainty. I think if Mitro's there, he doesn't let that happen. He might like body That's right. whatever, whatever Mitro does. You're making uh, my point. Yeah. No, I agree. My... I agree. So, um, but Russ, back to what you said about Hector. Uh, listen, I'm not writing him off. Okay. I don't know if you remember 
his first match as a Fulham player was against Villa in the FA Cup. Yes. He actually had a really bad error. And we saw how he progressed after that and, and put that quickly behind him. So listen, I'm open to it. I'm not going to write him off. I, I just say to you, when you watched him not even go up for a header, five yards from goal as a center, I mean, what were your thoughts? Not saying it's the right answer because yeah. I don't really know how to think either. This is a quality player. We've seen him play for probably 20 matches for Fulham. And he's, right. been, he's been our best defender, right, in the championship. But we've also it, seen how, some issues that he's had. How do you explain a, a, a professional footballer not jumping to contest a header? I don't have the answer. I don't think – but it's I don't, just something I think about as, as a fan because yeah. obviously, listen, we put too much pressure on these guys. We know that. They're human too. <laughs> I was going to say they're human. human. It seems so – I mean, it, it, he's a center back. He's, what, he's probably 6'4". You yep. jump for a header. He didn't even try to contest it. Uh, listen, it's it's a valid point, but you just mentioned they're human. They do make mistakes, and I don't have an answer for why he didn't. I, I don't. But let's talk about this because we've been focused, me and you both, on the center back position, and then we're really going to break down this match. We are going in a couple different directions because we have some good comments from our listeners and, and people watching. So here's a good question. Who would you want Fulham to target as a new center back? Max, I'm going to go to you. <laughs> well, let me first say I'm, I'm not Tony Khan. I'm, I'm not paid to scour Europe's <laughs> leagues for, for players. I think sometimes fans take on the mantle of being the director of football. But it's a good point. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll be straight up. I'm not going to pretend to be the the guru who knows whatever players available and who we should right. get. I don't have a necessarily great answer. To you, I would say here's what I'll say, and people might laugh at this, but in the mold of someone like first of all Chris Smalling, and I know that's definitely a bit unrealistic. He might go yep. to Roma, or in the mold of someone. Like Phil Jones, and I know that's laughable because he's a bit of a meme nowadays. But yep. someone who's played in the Premier League for a long time, who's perhaps fallen out of favor at a big club, and could use a, a second life at, at a team like Fulham. Th that's the same kind of answer I gave back when we were in the Premier League 2018, yep. when I wanted us to sign someone like Gary Cahill, who wasn't right. getting a look in at Chelsea, then has gone on to Palace, and that's a similar kind of role: an experienced center back with experience in England, who isn't playing for a big team, but could definitely use some first team playing time and give that experience someone in that mold. I know it's not easy. I know there are not a lot of players that fit that mold, but again, I'm not, I'm not paying the big bucks to do that. That's, that's Tony Collins. <laughs> job, and, I, and I trust him to do it, but you know, we're running out of time. I'm not going to disagree with you there because again, you know how frustrated I've already said on this show about not having a center back coming in from Austin. And I would have had one ready, but again, it's the transfer window it's crazy and center backs probably come in a premium and i have a feeling that tony will get one or potentially two it's just uh it's just a matter of when i just uh, again i the timing of it really bothered me but talking about what you were just mentioning i'm going to share this as well from dan mason from four from four yards out you can't give a free header i know you agree with that max yeah Thank you, Dan. I mean that, that, that that's common sense, but I pre I, I appreciate that. I love the backup here. Um you can't you can't defend him. You can't defend Hector after that. But again, he'll put it behind them. Hopefully yep. he improves, you know. Yep. People are back in Max. Mad Max is uh on the loose. That's all I'm gonna say. Good stuff there, my friend. And again, if you haven't read Max's article on hamian.com, please go there. My very good friend Dan Crawford does an excellent job along with everyone associated with Hamian.com. I hopefully I can get Dan back on the show. It's been a long time. And in fact, several years ago, Dan did so many shows with me, basically keeping Cottage Talk going when uh, Kyle moved to Australia. And uh, I miss Dan. And ho hopefully Dan will, will come back on. But I definitely want to just mention, please do check out Hamian. Uh, I know all fans know Hamian.com. Definitely check it out. Okay, Max, enough with me ranting about overreaction Saturday. Because, because uh, you know, and I'll just say one last thing about over, Overreaction Saturday. If anyone saw my Twitter and saw me say, relax, Francis, and wondering where that was from, way, way not near your time, that comes from the movie Stripes. Okay, so anyone that w wonders what the line, relax, Francis, comes from, it comes from Stripes. So check that out. Anyways, let's go to starting 11, my friend. A lot of talk on this because... When we saw it, I actually predicted it was going to be something like this because when I did our previous show with our friend at uh, Same Old Arsenal podcast, I pretty much predicted very close to the starting 11 that we saw because I figured that Scott Parker would go with the championship team 
that got him to the final and won the final. For whatever reason, I thought that's what he would do. So when you saw this, and then again, we can also talk about the bench as well, Max. What was what were the first thoughts going through your mind? First thought was no Mitro, and that, because we didn't really have a sense of that. Parker hadn't really hinted he would have benched him, so people were really shocked. It was kind of like a flashback to the first leg of the Cardiff playoff semifinal where there's a collective freak out about where's Mitrovic, why is he not, right. why is he not even the team? Uh, my second thought was, I mean, it, it is what it is. I, I really thought we, we were going to get thrashed, and, and that's what happened, But because it wasn't a good enough team. That's that's all there is to say. I want to talk about the attack just for a quick second, because a lot of it has been about the center backs, but I right. think the attack is almost just as important. And I'll talk about Cabano and Cavalero. Okay. Um, Cavalero wasn't even a guaranteed starter in the championship for us. He didn't light the championship on fire. No. Um, listen, and honestly, same thing with Kamara. I like Kamara a lot, but again, not one of the best players in the championship last season. Good in flashes. Same with, and the same could go for Nisans Cabano. Great end to the season. Amazing free kicks. But this is somebody who really only played um, after the restart. You know. So the way I looked at it was, we have, an we have a front three of players who didn't even excel in the championship, and you expect them to excel against Premier League defenses, and it's just not going to happen. Right, it's just not going to happen, um, and, and that's the same thing I thought about with Reem. Is like he looked vulnerable in, in, in champ. Some players look vulnerable in championship. Tom yep. Kennedy is an example. How do you expect them if they couldn't even boss the championship? How do you expect them to compete in the best league in the world against teams like Arsenal? And even a player like Mitrovic, who I think was a, is a one player in our team, the only player in our team who's way too good for the championship, who clearly bossed the championship. Yep. How do you expect? And, and he even struggled in the Premier League. So you have players who. Weren't, I, I wouldn't even, they're not too good for that championship and they're expecting them to play against the best players in the world. And we got, and I don't think this is me overreacting. I think this is pretty, this is pretty, um, a thoughtful way to look at it. Yep. They, they're, they're not superb in the championship and like take a massive step up to the Premier League. Sure. They won't be very good either. And if we play, if we play these players again, we'll probably get relegated. That's, that, that to me is a very simple equation. Um, so that's, that's what I thought about a starting lineup. Okay. It was very low expectations. Okay. And what I thought was similar that, again, I thought that Parker was going with the team that won the playoff final, not as a reward, but he thought, okay, let's see if we can do what we did against Brentford. That's what I'm thinking. He thought that this team was, he's been talking about togetherness, about not really making all these wholesale changes. So I thought this was a way to say, okay, I'm going with you guys and we're going to play Arsenal and I trust you guys and, and go for it. And I thought that's why he went with them. But I also thought at the same time when I saw the bench, we'll talk about that, the players that now we find out weren't ready or according to Scott Parker weren't ready. So I had a feeling, okay, he's not involved in these players. And I think at the time when I saw the starting eleven, they must not be ready because, again, few of them just came within a week. So I don't – disagree with not playing players that are ready to go against Arsenal. We're talking about players that could really help them. Does it make sense, Max, to throw Aina and throw someone like Anthony Robinson, who's been with Fulham a little bit longer, or Mario Lamina, when they really haven't been with this side long enough to really get the system that Parker is trying to instill? So maybe he just felt that they weren't ready for the – the system that he's building because these players that played already have bought in. And I'm not saying that the new players haven't yet. I just don't know if they had enough time to really get in with the system that he's creating here. So I think that's why we didn't see these players. I mean, he could have put one, two or three on the bench, but he decided not to. The only one was Ariola for obvious reasons because Benelli went out on loan so he had to have a goalkeeper and I think goalkeeper is a little bit different but again he went with the team that got him to the final and won the final I understand that but I don't think this is going to be I'm thinking to myself it's Arsenal play this team it's one match and learn something from this match win or lose or draw and then we adjust and, th and th then we learn from our mistakes and then we start to bring in players of higher quality than we have out there against Arsenal, 
we get them into the team and we see what we need. So I'm not saying that he used it as a training you know, situation because it's not. It's a real match. But I also think he trusted these players, but also it gave him the opportunity to see, okay, this worked, this didn't work. I need this, I need that for Leeds United and Aston Villa coming up. Yeah, yes. And listen, I, I was not criticizing Parker's selection because I think you're right. We just bought players too late, essentially. With the exception of Robinson, everyone else, as you said, came in around a week before this game started. So, And, and you're right, you can't expect to get players in right away and right into the starting 11. 100% agree. Number one, that's that's a critique of our transfer policy that you know we bought too late. It's also a critique of the situation we're in. We go up to the playoffs. There's already a shortened offseason. We're really in a freakish position this year. Yeah, There was really only about a month between when we got promoted and when the season started. And it's already a tough, uh, tough turnaround. We know it from 2018. And that was like two and a half, three months. Now it's right. almost a month. Very tough situation for the, for the club to be in. So listen, I, I emphasize that. That's a really yeah. tough situation. But we're going to have to, we don't really, we can't really complain too much because as you mentioned, we have big games coming up, Leeds, mm-hmm. Villa. They're not six pointers yet, but they're essentially of that caliber. Um, we, we're really going to have to win some of them. Um, I see people putting in the comments, essentially, we played Arsenal. We were never going to beat Arsenal anyway. <laughs> On one hand, yes, Arsenal's a very good yep. team. But they didn't, I mean, they finished, well, like eighth or ninth last. They weren't one of the best teams in the division. Maybe they'll be better this no, year. No, but this but, this is a better but, team. But better team. My point is, my point yeah. is, I think that mentality is a bit dangerous. I'm, when we were back last season, when we got relegated, yeah. I think we lost almost every single, every match we played against the top six, like not even a draw. And we right. lost every single match. When you start writing off 12, 15 matches in a season, a 38-match season, you're saying, oh, we never expected to beat them. You're left with a very small margin of error for the teams around you. And you put a lot of pressure on yourself. We've seen other promoted teams like Leeds, and I know Leeds are better than us. Yep. Leeds go to Anfield, score three goals. I didn't hear their supporters saying, oh, it's Liverpool. We never expected to lose. They went out with ambition, right? And I'm not saying we're not that same level, but I think as fans, we have to have a mentality in which, of course, we're not expecting to win. We right. have to expect better than two shots on target in a three and a loss at home, right? And I don't think that's too much to ask for. Right, and again, we could talk about Leeds United moving forward because I've already predicted them for relegation because I think eventually Bielsa will be found out because Bielsa only plays one way. And I think their mentality is pleasing on the ice. They scored three goals, but they gave up four, Max. So keep that in mind. I know it's Liverpool, just like we know it's Arsenal. So Leeds United, if you look at that situation, you're thinking, oh, as a fan, wonderful. They went for it against Arsenal, I am, I'm sorry, against Liverpool and Fulham didn't really against Arsenal. It's also a different philosophy of managers. Okay. We saw that with Savisa. I love Savisa. Savisa is never as good as Bielsa. I'm sorry. We, we okay. never had a performance like that when we made Savisa. But I understand what you're saying. But. Okay. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just saying style wise, it's taking it to a team. I'm not saying that Savisa is at the level of Bielsa. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying style wise, it's the philosophy. The philosophy is similar. Take it to the opponent. Well, Scott Parker is very different. So, you know, whether you like it or not, what's more sustainable? And I think that's what we're going to find out. Is it Scott Parker or is it Bielsa style? And it's fascinating because everyone right now will say Bielsa. I'm not so sure about that. But we'll, we'll find out over the course of the season. But I have to share this to you, Max, because, again, wouldn't be a show without a Goldman. So this comes from Stripes. I got it wrong. Sorry, Russ, but it's lighten up, Francis. He's right. It's not relaxed, Francis. It's lighten up. This is going all over my head, but I appreciate Brian jumping in. We need that. I have no idea what this is. Entire, this is to me as alien as you're talking about the Patriots. It's the same thing going right over my head. <laughs> okay, but I had thank you, Brian, for correcting me. You are right. It's it's lighten up, Francis. Not relaxed, Francis. I don't know what I'm thinking. And I, I think I even t- tweeted out, relax, Francis. It's lighting up, Francis. You are right. But, again, there's a Goldman for you. But, again, good good back and forth there, my friend, because it's interesting how you and I are looking at it. We, we talked about this during the show. We knew we would disagree on, on a bunch of things because we look at things just differently. We're both fans, and we want foam to win. And, uh, you know, 
I like what you're bringing, my friend. You you haven't disappointed me in this show. So let's <laughs> move on. And I just want to mention, I, I got a very interesting comment from Mitchell Williams about Nguyen and Mitro. Mitchell, I'm going to be talking about that a little bit because I do want to talk about Mitro and Nguyen coming up. I will share that when we get there. But let's talk about our first half analysis. Now, Max, just in general, it's funny because if you go to Twitter at halftime and look at the analysis from the phone supporters, I would see, okay, oh, we played okay. We played okay. You would see tweet after tweet. We played okay. Gave up a bad goal. We played okay. And you know what? I kind of agree with that. So before we break down the mistake, you kind of already did. Just give me your first half analysis. I will just tell you that besides the mistake, I thought they played okay. I, I don't think that they were terrible in the first half. I saw some moments. I'm like, okay, I could see how this could work. But overall, you know, again, they're still down one nil. Give me your first half analysis, and then we'll talk about the uh, first goal, which, again, was a horrible one to give up. Sure, yeah. And actually, Colton has just th thrown in the comments something which – uh, I think is spot on about the first half. Um, so thank you for that. He's actually saying we we played a crossing game. Yep. And that's how, a lot of the, what the attack was in the championship. Um, and we had a lot of joy down that right wing. Yep. With Adoy. I mean, a couple very, very, very nice passing plays. A lot of one-twos, one-touch passing. Adoy is getting down, overlapping yep. wing-back play. But when we got to the final third, we didn't have that Mitrovic-type figure in the center. That's right. I, I love Kamara, but again, he's not the same tall, powering figure like Mitro is. Yep. Um, so that's true. I, I, I thought, again, yeah, there were there were some nice passages of play. There really were. Um, and Arsenal had chances. They did. Willian hit the post and the free kick. Um, Aubameyang had another good chance. But listen, we weren't totally all over the place. Again, it's just the individual error which killed us. Another thing I want to say, though, is, you know, Kearney. Tom Kearney. First time mentioning him all, all, all show. <laughs> He, he needs to do better, Russ. I mean, he, I didn't, no one recognized him out there. I, I can't think of a thing he did, and I think that's so yeah. key to – I mean, everything we're talking about – Oh, I know. I think Dan also mentioned this earlier in the comments, is that we need to transition from attack to defense quicker. We, we need to play well, – we, we saw with, that in the second half yeah, a little bit. A little bit. You and, know, and, and, we'll talk, and we'll talk about Nguisa coming in because I tweeted out that Fulham need to hold on to Nguisa, and when we talk about the second half, you're going to see some of my reasons why. Yeah. Um, but again – it wasn't a terrible first half, you're right. What made it even more concerning was we didn't play terrible, but we gave up a really weak goal. Totally. And, and that's the most concerning thing is when you lose based on the individual errors, not the way you're playing, that's the most frustrating thing yep. as a player, as a fan, as a manager, because the performance was honestly fine. It was. But, it really was. But we lost 3-0. And, and I that, that was such a common refrain last time we were in the top flight. It's, it's like I'm watching the same movie over and over again. I know. I know. Okay, I know. Just, Every time they went forward, they scored, you know, something like that. And, and we have to cut that out. We have to. It's funny because uh, I remember the first time I really felt that things were going ag against us in the wrong way. Talking about the mistakes was against Brighton Hove Albion. You know, and, and oh. again, there, oh, there were oh, mistakes yeah. before that, but that match is okay. We're making mistakes that are killing us. And this is what, you know, again, this is Arsenal. I understand, but. I see why you're saying what you're saying, Max, because in the championship, you can get away with some of this stuff. We talk about it. You can't do that in the Premier League. So, yes, I agree with the fans. It sounds like you agree with the fans. They played okay. But in the end, they were down 1-0 at the half. And you have to ask yourself, when you're down 1-0 at the half and you play okay, is that good enough? The answer is no, it's not good enough. It, but, again, we, you know, we, we didn't create enough. That's the other no. One. We didn't create enough. We and, absolutely did yeah. not. And, and that needs to change because I, I don't see a player there right now who can who can be that number ten who create chances. Okay, Anima did all right. I don't know if he's gonna be that player week in week out. Maybe Lamina can be that. Maybe. Forward, maybe again, that's I'm hoping. Yeah. Um, but again, so much of it is that kind of slow midfield build up play, and so, I think that really leads into the crossing issue. Yep. When we can't get through the middle because they're playing so low, all right, put it out wide, swinging across. But if I think if we had a more dynamic midfield uh, trio, quick passing, we wouldn't need to cross so much, and we we wouldn't, we wouldn't need to be so reliant on yep. Mitro getting ahead on something when he's up against two center backs. You know. Well, I agree with you, and like I said, we'll 
mention Anguissa and especially Mitro when we talk about the second half. But let's talk about the goal. You've already kind of described it, but again, anyone that's watched it, it was deflating. I'm watching this, and I put my arms up, and I said, you got to be kidding me. Because I laughed. I, 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 had to, I let it, have a laugh. because it, it was preventable. It was so preventable. Because yeah, it was <laughs> – I mean, it was obviously very sad. But at one deep level, it was funny, Russ, because it was such a bad mistake. I mean, he just he just and we've seen this before. He and just I think that's what's so ball. frustrating. Yeah, um, and I do want to talk about another part of the goal though, because Go it ahead. starts off a ball over the top to Abemiang. A yep. door gets brought out wide, right? Um, and then he cuts it back to Jaka. But if you watch what Harrison, I'm going to call it Harrison Reed. Harrison Reed realizes the door has been dragged out wide, and he tries to fill in in some kind of center back position. But he's just marking space. And, you know, when, you, when you're a player, you're told by men, don't mark space. Mark a right. man. Reed just kind of sits in front of Rodak um, but doesn't press Jacka. Kennedy's nowhere to be seen. Anima's nowhere to be seen. Again, defensive midfielders track back to the edge of the box. If Jacka doesn't have all that space, I think that, that this goal goes differently. Jacka has so much space and time. He actually fluffs his shot. But no one's near him. Um, and then I'll talk about Brian again. He's with Lacazette. When Adoy's... Yeah defending Aubameyang out wide. Brian actually has Lacazette covered, but he doesn't move. He watches the ball, stays stationary. William gets tangled up, whatever, Rodak pushed it wide, and Lacazette's free. Yep. Again, so many just simple mistakes. Defensive players don't track back. Uh, Brian lets his man go, and then, of course, yep. Reem does what, what Reem did. Um, and, and you have to laugh sometimes because it's, it's, it's comical. Yep, it's um, so full, and we'll, we'll just talk about that. Okay. Coming up next, we're going to get Max's second half analysis, and then we're going to focus a little bit on Mitro and Nguisa. Okay, Max, let's move on to the second half. And uh, what's interesting about the second half, again, I was feeling okay coming out of the first half, but like I said, it's still deflating giving up the goal. So let's just overall just get your second half analysis, and then we'll talk about the two goals they give up and then of course the additions of Mitro and Agis. But let's just yeah. get your overall analysis and then and then we'll work forward into the half. Really, we were hard, hard done by by the goal because it comes at the worst possible time. As you mentioned, terrible, terrible. As fans, we were trying to convince ourselves, you know, it wasn't terrible. We're only down one nil. Second half to come, a lot can happen. And that kind of optimism is so quickly extinguished three minutes in after the corner. So that, that's tough. That's tough to take as a team. And then you have the Abemian goal, really great finish. But let's just give him credit. I mean, he's one of the best strikers in the Premier League. And this is what I mean when you see the quality we're up against. Um, but if you want to analyze it, Hector and Reem essentially are out of the, out of the game. They're, they're at the halfway line. Yep. And the door is left to defend three players against himself. I don't blame him because it was a tough task. He kind of backed off Abemian because he had to cover another incoming run. And he has a lot of space and time. He can't give him that. So that's tough. But the fact of the matter is we're down 3-0, essentially, with half an hour to go around about. Yeah. And, and the game's and over. over. The game's yeah. over. And that's yeah. why I want to be maybe a little bit of a downer. People might give me some stick for this. But I do want to watch what happened with Mitro and Gisa with a bit of a, you know perspective, right? Everyone's saying they came on, we played better, more direct. Yeah, they came on when we're down 3-0, and Arsenal essentially said, listen, the match is over. So I don't want to read too much into that little cameo okay. by, by the two players, who I do agree will be influential. But it was it was 20 minutes in the match that was already done. You know, it wasn't a competitive match. Arsenal weren't trying their best as they were earlier on. Um, but it's one of those games, and we actually again I'm gonna say we saw it a lot back in 2018-19 when we were kind of we already kind of lost yep. by early second half. And it's honestly tough to, to watch those matches as a fan, knowing you already lost you already lost the match. You're gonna lose pretty Yeah, heavily, the match is over at this point. And you gotta look for pauses where you can take them. Right. And uh, listen, I understand what you're saying that Arsenal probably put their foot off the gas when uh, Anguissa and Mitro came on. But uh, I don't want to discount what they brought because I, I think it's something that could be a glimmer of hope for Fulham moving forward. And we'll, we'll talk about them in just a bit. But I also want to share this. Again, we, we got some great comments tonight. This is from Toby Jones on Facebook. Both Brighton and Leeds also made mistakes and cost them the games they played. Whoever can cut these sorts of mistakes out survives. Totally agree with Toby on this. What are your thoughts, Matt? Yeah, and a lot of people are saying this too. It's, listen, we're not the only team who makes mistakes. Robin also said, look what happened with West Rom against Leicester. They also lost 3-0 and, and played pretty poorly. 
So I think that does give me some comfort. You know, we're not the only team making mistakes. I think everyone re- got to realize that. You know, we're not we're not in a bubble. There are other really bad teams in this league, and our saving grace really could be that a lot of other really poor teams. You know, like <laughs> all we have to do is be the fourth worst team. That's right. But That's when you right. put it that way, maybe it's, that can happen. It's um, about survival, Max. It's we about both survival. Know this. It's, it's about survival. survival. And, and Mitchell is also saying, I, I really appreciate that comment. He's saying, listen, this isn't our starting team. Yep. It was our first match in the Premier League. Arsenal, a good squad. Yep. I agree with all three of those points. I really do. I'm, I'm yep. not trying to be a, a naysayer here. I just think <laughs> my response to that is yes. But again, these mistakes I think could have happened against any team. I, I don't see the mistakes that Hector and Reem made because of Arsenal. I think that could happen against a Villa or a Leeds. We'll, we'll see. Not we'll jumping see. For, for a header or just miss clearing a, a clearance. That's okay. what worries me is I don't think that's, that's relevant to how good Arsenal were. Well, I think we're going to have to see when they play these teams. Again, will they have learned from their mistakes? Because, again, Fulham made mistakes here, Max, and this will be hopefully worked out on the training ground with Scott Parker. This is, in in a way, playing Arsenal first, I think, as Emilio said, is a good thing because you really have to ramp up to playing the teams that you need to beat. So making mistakes against Arsenal – it's bad, but it also might be uh, a chance to learn, and hopefully they will yeah. not make the same mistakes. So I, I see, I see how you're acting there, my friend. I, I get it, but again, the, I the, think the losing mentality is harmful, though, Russ. And, and it I, is. I, I agree. But it we is. remember when we're in the habit of losing, it's it's very hard to shake that habit. And, totally agree. And, totally and agree. Know, That's why these matches coming up are important. But, yeah, and the, and the players. I mean, getting beat three 0 you can tell players in a dressing room after a match. Oh, listen, it was Arsenal. They're a good side. Yep. It doesn't change the fact that I got beat 3-0. And, oh, and that I know. kills confidence and, and kills team spirit. And yep. I just worry if we adopt the mentality for matches against big sides to see them as you know, free hits or, or training ground matches yep. or chances to learn. And all we're really learning is how to get beat 4-5. <laughs> That's what I worry about. I'm not saying it will happen. That's just yeah. my concern. Well, I can tell you in the glory years in the Premier League, they would get destroyed by Chelsea. They would get destroyed no, by Manchester United. Right, 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 right. The cottage was a hard place to go, okay? What? The, the cottage was a hard place to go. Yeah, it was. During those times. We it was. I, mean, I remember I saw matches. We beat Arsenal 2-1 under Martin Yoles, a more last-minute yeah, goal. No, you're right about we, that. We consistently, honestly, we consistently drew Chelsea. There a couple of years, we didn't there, lose. There was a match at, at Craven years. Cottage where Chelsea hand, handed us our, our lunch, but, though. But we were a team that wasn't always considered – a, a walk in the park for the big sides. We right, gave them a go. I agree with that. And we're no, of course, a different situation. But I don't want to get a mentality where it's like we'll never. <laughs> oh, the big teams. Oh, we can, if we score a goal, I'll be happy. We have to think a little bit bigger. That we can at least. I'm not disagreeing go. with you on that. I'm not. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I'm just saying that the fact that they lost this match against Arsenal, it is something that they can learn from. I, I know what you're saying because yeah. again. It's how you respond now in the upcoming matches to Leeds United. You, you just said, and many fans were impressed with Leeds United, even though they lost. How does Fulham respond? Here's a great opportunity. Let's see how they respond. Yeah. Okay. And quickly, just to give you credit and, and your line of argument. Yep. It's the first match of the season. You're completely yep. right. The team will change. Overreactions. I'm not saying it's <laughs> I'm not going to go that far, but you're right. It's, it's early on. It's September the 14th. You know, season ends in that's, May. That's right. There's a long way to go. And I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not going to make any big predictions. I'm just saying yep. things can change, and we, and we shouldn't we shouldn't jump to conclusions. But I think it, it is fair to say yep. that a three 0 loss and only two shots on target, it's not a good way to start the season. Okay, it doesn't do us, but I think everyone can agree no one was happy after Saturday, and we didn't, no. I don't, don't want to have that feeling every single match. No, and you shouldn't be happy. But again, like you said, I'm just looking at it a little bit differently than yourself. I'm thinking, okay. You know, it, it's funny. You hate when I give you these Patriots analysis comparison, but I saw the Patriots lose thirty-one to nothing in an opening game, and then w- win the Super Bowl, and they got uh, destroyed in that game. I know it's different; it's Fulham and the Patriots, but I've seen it before, and I think Fulham, like hopefully the Patriots, learn from their mistakes as the Patriots certainly did, and then had a great season. But again, we'll see what they can take out of this. All right, let's talk about the second goal. Let's quickly talk about the goals because I want to move on and talk about Ngisa and Mitro. Second Arsenal goal, pathetic to give up this. It was We've already talked a little bit about it. I still believe if Mitro's there, things are different. What are your thoughts? Yeah, just didn't jump. I mean, it, it, it's also, let's be clear, it's also Gabriel's first match in the Premier League. Yeah. 
So yeah. it's, it's Hector's introduction. It's also Gabriel's introduction. And he definitely outshone him. But, you know, of course, he's going to be one of the best defenders, people say, in yep. the league. He's very promising. So that's what you spend money for. I, I do want to talk about a little bit more about Rodak, though, because I think he is to blame here. Okay. He, he didn't cover himself in glory in that goal, Russ. No. I, I think we'd agree. No, Number totally one, agree. if you're a keeper, sometimes you could argue come out and punch that or claim it because it was very close to his goal. I know there are people in front of him. But once the ball comes to you, he dealt with it awkwardly. It, it bounced, went through his legs. It wasn't in the corner. It was honestly straight at him, Russ. Um, just something to think about. Not saying we should drop him, but didn't cover himself in glory. That's all I'll say. Okay. And uh, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Okay. Let's talk about – Ben Nelly done that, and Ben Nelly did do that last season against West Brom. You had the entire <laughs> of course you're going to bring up Ben Nelly. Of course true, you have to go there. It has to be brought up. Ben Nelly <laughs> had a very similar error, I'd say, in a goal. Um, West Brom was a corner, too, on that side of the pitch. Um, and, and then all, all hell broke loose. Uh, just want to bring up. Okay. Anyone that has not listened to Cottage Talk before – I'm just telling you right now, Max is a huge Marcus Petnelli fan, so that had to come out. I understand, Max. Yeah. I'm a huge Rodak fan, so you know. But I understand what you're talking about, and uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what Scott Parker decides to do against Leeds United. Maybe he makes the change to Ariola, give him a shot. I don't know. All right, let's now talk about the third Arsenal goal. I'm a big fan of Abami. I was, I was a huge fan of it, him when he was in Germany. This was a great goal, but again, let's talk about what happened before that. Yeah, they're just, I mean, Arsenal have the ball back essentially in their own third, and it's kind of a, a ball up to halfway line. And I think it's um, I think it's Hector, actually, who goes in for the challenge. I, I think it might be Lacazette. One of the Arsenal attackers just kind of falls on the floor, and the, the ball gets cleared. I think Gabbana falls over, and then essentially Arsenal are in business, and they have, they have man up in the counterattack. At that point, it, it's never going to end well for us. So it was just kind of the fact that we were really overcommitted because it wasn't Arsenal were threatening um, in terms of constant pressure. It was a really quick counterattacking goal, and our center backs just got completely caught out of position. Um, but again, credit to Abemian, great finish, great player. But we, we did make it easy for them by essentially abdicating our, all our center defensive responsibilities halfway up the pitch. No, listen, I totally agree. And, uh, you know, it's funny watching it, and I'm just thinking about Abamying, and uh, it's funny. I wanted to see him in the Premier League, and uh, I wish I didn't see that goal. I'll just leave it at that. But he's he's such a quality player. It's funny because him and Lacazette have killed Fulham. Every you know, it's funny, really have killed Fulham. It's it, it's been disappointing to watch, my friend, because you know I like them as players, but I don't like to see what they did against uh, against Fulham because it was uh, it was uh, hard to watch. It really was hard to watch, but um. Anyways, um, let's move on and let's let's finish up because I, I told you I, I wanted to focus on talking about Mitro and Nagisa. You've already talked about, you know, not to read too much into their inclusion because Arsenal probably took their foot off the gas. I understand that, but I respectfully disagree with the impact that these players could get, okay? Because it's about the season, not about the match. They needed to get into the match, and see how Fulham would look with these players. Let's start with Ngisa, Max, because we know what Mitro brings you. Ngisa, again, I've already been going back and forth with someone on Twitter that I respect that I've said that Fulham need to hold on to Ngisa because, as you said earlier on, they were more direct with Ngisa. Watch him. Watch how quickly the play moves forward with Ngisa, with intent. And I'm just telling you, I like what I saw in a small sample from Ngisa, and I remember him two seasons ago. I think he could be an asset for Fulham, and Fulham should not sell. Tony Khan, do not sell Ngisa, because I think they have something special with Ngisa. I just think that Scott Parker has to figure out the best way to utilize him. But I liked what I saw from him, because, like you said, I understand what you're saying, that they took their foot off the gas, but all of a sudden Fulham had possession of the ball, and Ngisa was running the show for a short period of time. So let's focus first on Nguisa. Do you understand where I'm coming from with him and what he could potentially bring for him? Yeah, and I see it. I would say I wasn't as impressed with him as, as you were perhaps, but I, I do see what you're saying in that he's a better option than what we have currently. Some things about him that still worry me are his, you know, his tendency to lose the ball in bad areas, to kind of overextend the play with his dribbling, and sometimes he'd be a bit too casual on the ball. Those are all things that I really am worried about him and that still have not been resolved in my eyes. But I do agree. It was an improvement when he came on. And I, I guess you start him in place of 
in place of Harrison Reed, in, in place of Kearney. Well, so I guess what's the midfield three in that situation? Or I think we kind of changed formation a bit. I think it was almost a 4-2-3-1 yeah. yep. when he came on. He was on the two holding ones. That's right. The lone striker. I like that. I think that's a more prudent formation than a 4-3-3, in my opinion. Yeah, and and again, it it just shows uh, a tweaking that can be done with Ngisa. I think Ngisa could really be an asset. So I'm going to share this back with our friend Mitchell Williams. Starting Ngisa and Mitro, and we can beat the 20th to 12th teams. Now, again, that's an interesting way to look at it. I'm not going to disagree with that because I can see both of these players being regular starters. I know what Mitro brings. We, we just talked about the crosses in the box. Now you're talking about, well, we need someone to control the play in central midfield. Could Nguisa be one of those players that could help? And then really his effect then get the ball out wide that then can get the crosses in the box to Mitro. And we know what Mitro can do once he, once he gets an opportunity. So thoughts about what Mitchell shared here, because I actually agree with Mitchell on this. I think Nguisa and Mitro starting regularly, I think Fulham can beat these teams around us. Uh, yeah, I'd say we, we, have a, we have a better chance of being. I, I think the squad needs a lot more, right? But I, I agree with that. It, it's definitely part of the puzzle. I agree. I think it's part of the puzzle. That's what I, I, I yeah, should preface sure. it. It's part of the puzzle. 100% agree. 100% agree. Um, listen, I, I've never been the biggest Angisa fan. I could so tell. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be out here saying he's a solution. I'm more excited to see what Lamina does. I think I Lamina too. has potential to be a more impactful player than Angisa. Okay. The way I see Lamina is someone who plays quicker. Yep. To me, Anguisa is a bit of a slower player in the way he moves, his dribbling, just his, his pace. I see Lamina as someone who can start an attack quickly and add that firepower. I'm really excited to see him play. Well, um, so am I. And maybe, yeah. Honestly, maybe they'll play together. I think I read somewhere that they almost overlapped at Marseille, or they did overlap yeah. at Marseille one season, which is right. exciting that they could form some kind of partnership. That will be, be great. Um, but listen, I'm open. I'm open to Anguisa. And But if, if the right bid comes in, we'll sell him. You know, if, if people give me thirty I million for Nisa, I, I I'll disagree sell with it. I disagree. I don't think it's that crucial. I think if they give us money, yeah. Robin said the jury's still out. I agree. I, I don't. I don't because he was he was pretty poor under Slavisa and Ranieri, but Parker did get an improvement out of him. He did in the Premier League season. He absolutely did. So we'll Matt. see. Honestly, again, I I really want to challenge myself to be more um, hold out my opinions because it's one game. You're right, but also yep. when we need him as Fulham supporters, let's be honest, we didn't see any of the new signings, right? We need to think that if they had a bad first game, we can't just write them off. And I, that's something I did a lot, I'll be honest. See, but that's, what I, that's my overreaction. You're down. making my point. But, but again, there are two sides of my head, Russ. One side <laughs> says you have to be patient. These players, they're challenging to a new league, a new team, new yep. workers. How would anyone else feel being plopped into a high-pressure situation? The other side of me says we're in the Premier League. We don't have time to be sentimental. If, if, we, let, if we just let these players be patient, we'll go okay. down again. We need to be realistic at how harsh the reality is. Okay. So those are the two sides of my brain trying to okay. think of that. I was going to say, one yeah. side is positive, Max. The other side is mad, Max. Realistic, realistic, Max. That's <laughs> what I'd say. No one wants to be relegated to us. I'm there with you. And again, talking about Nguisa, what's interesting in talking about Lamina, because you want to see Lamina, go back and watch Lamina's interview with FFC TV. He talks about how Nguisa was an influence on him coming to Fulham because he had heard good things. So that also got me to think, okay, maybe Nguisa wants to stick around. I was because shocked. Of that's shocking. I, I'm shocked that Nguisa said good things about Fulham. He did. I thought he wanted to get away as quickly as That's funny. I'm glad to hear that. That's good. Yeah. Go back and watch Mario Lamina's interview. He talks about Nguisa and how Nguisa said positive things about Fulham. So there you go. Because And, and, and that they played together at Marseille. So then I'm thinking, okay. Maybe they can play together, Max. Maybe they can. And then, again, so much still needs to be written. You know, the the book has just begun. We're, we're, we're not even halfway through the first chapter, okay? We're, we're not. So, again, it's tough to make judgments. That's why I called it Overreaction Saturday, because I knew it was going to happen, and I wanted to basically, like I said, make a preemptive strike to <laughs> what was going to happen and uh, it's funny. See, see how many people retweeted my overreaction Saturday tweets. There's a lot of them. And that's kind of why I wanted to do it, because I've seen it for so many years on Twitter. Here we go. It's going to start up again. I'm going to tweet something out. And uh, I'm glad that I did. I'm glad that I did. Okay. 
Let's see what other comments we got. We, we've, said, we've had some really good comments. Yeah, love, and love the comments, guys. Keep them coming. It's great to know you guys are reacting and interacting. And we just love the feedback because it makes Absolutely. it show so much better. So credit to credit. It does. To it does. And, and I'm gonna just going to share a couple more because we're talking about Nguisa. Max, Wolf Bank. Nguisa reminds me a lot of Pogba with movement, small and tall. Smooth and tall. Sorry, that's a Goldman for you. And then Robin Pendrel, who's – Robin, thank you as always. Robin is a huge listener of Cottage Talk. He uh, comments to me privately. Thank you, Robin. He says, jury, jury's still out on Nguisa. And that goes to Max's argument. I understand because fans are split, like I said, on Nguisa. And, uh, you know, I was told last night that it was a, a controversial tweet. And I'm thinking, how is this a controversial tweet that I want him to stay? Apparently – he has split the fan base, Max. Well, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I know. I, it's true. He has. Um, I still associate him with just the really bottom bottom level that we were when we were under Ranieri and Yukanovich. Um, and, and listen, he had played a role in a relegation season and you know didn't help us at all. You yep. know, I think in some places actually really hurt us. So that's where I think the animosity is coming from. Okay. I think a lot of people saw what he did on loan at Villarreal and say, listen, this is obviously a quality player. He can play in a, in a top European league. I personally just don't think he's suited for the English game. Okay. I think he's great in the continent. really do, but I don't think the Premier League is his place. But I'm willing to see more. I really am. Uh, but it's it, – I don't think – yeah, everyone knows the jury's out because he didn't play well in, the, in his first season. So I think a, a lot of people give him the benefit of doubt. A lot of people are saying, listen, this guy was terrible last time around. Why give him a shot? Okay. To end the show – I'm going to share comments from the person I was going back and forth with about Nguisa. So here we go. This is from our my good friend. I'm going to call my good friend Tony Gold. This is on Periscope because we were going back and forth. Russ, we've discussed Nguisa. Let's discuss pros and cons. Technically not built for the Prem. This goes to your argument, Max. And uh, it's interesting because I agree with Tony on this. The system has to work for Nguisa to be effective for Fulham. And um, I think that's a little bit on Parker to get the most out of him. But do you agree with Tony that he's not built for the prime? I don't know if I agree with him. And and um, let's discuss his pros and cons. Yeah, I do agree with Tony. I just think the, the speed of play is quicker, a lot quicker. I, I can remember countless instances of him just kind of jogging back on defense. Here's something else, Tony. In dribbling. Out trying to or beat four players right outside his own box and losing the ball. It's just things that, that clicked to me. It said, this guy's obviously a decent player. We paid, what, 30 million pounds from around the ballot. Yep. And, he, and he played quality for Marseille. He's played at a high level in Europe. But I, it, for some reason, it didn't click. Um, and maybe he's not used to playing against a team who's battling relegation, which is another thing to consider. He played well at Villarreal. Yep. They're a decent side in Spain. Played well at Marseille, one of the best sides in France. I think the mentality shift is honestly a thing we have to consider. And that's something which I think we haven't mentioned Seri, but Seri fits yep. in the same category in terms yep. of these are players used to challenging for Europe, right? And suddenly plop them into a situation in which they're challenging, you know, for 17th place. Yep. And, and that can do things to a player mentality. You know, you think, why well, am I at this, this shite club? We can barely even finish above the top three. We're going to lose every week. And that gets them down. They think I'm better than this. And that leads to poor performances. So yep. number one, I'm not sure he's ready to play in England. Number two, I'm not sure if he's ready for a relegation fight. Okay. You know? We saw it was Dimitar Berbatov. Yep. As soon as nope. things got tough, we shipped him off to Monica, right? No, nope. listen, that's, thing. that's fair. And I think Seri falls in that category. I don't know yet if Angisa falls in this category. And we're, and we're talking about talking about some cons. I, I'll talk about some pros. You know, again, he likes to dribble a great deal. And uh, as Tony mentioned to me, he can lose to Paul, which is not good. He is prone to the mistake, but I do like his direct play. And I, and again, just in the last match, I just saw what he could bring going forward. I, you know, I liked again, his intent and uh, I can see what he could bring, but I also see the other side. So there are pros and cons to what Ngisa can bring. And that's why he splits the fan base. And it was Tony was the one that said, this is a controversial topic. So kudos for Tony for, Bringing that to me yesterday, and we could talk about it on Cottage Talk, my friend. Okay, let's uh, let's let's wrap this up. You know what's funny about it? Do you realize we've already gone over an hour? <laughs> yeah, it flew by. Completely it flew, flew by, by, man. It flew by. This was so much fun to do, and a loss, and a bad loss, like a three nil loss. We certainly had an, a, a tremendous amount to talk about. 
But also, I want to thank everyone that has watched and also commented to us because uh, we've used a lot of these comments in the show. It's been great. Max, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Sure, I think you're right. You know, we don't want to overreact, right? It's a long way to go, but I'm, I'm just I'm always wary of us going down a path that's that's negative, and I see that path right in front of us because the path we took in 2018, getting okay. into habits of losing, individual mistakes. So yep. I'm praying it doesn't happen again. Last thing I would say is <clears throat> look forward to League Cup match in midweek. We can see a lot of new players. Then. I totally agree. And uh, what's funny about this, Max, <laughs> and, and uh, you you and I are in the U.S. and uh, the club actually put out on the website that you can actually get the match on I, some website associated with the EFL. But if you actually click on it, you and I can't watch it. It's not available in the, in the U.S. for whatever reason. So that's disappointing because I would actually really like to watch the Carabao Cup because I want to see these new players before we get into this Leeds United match. I think that match is important. I totally think that match is important. I hope all the fans that can watch it, watch it, because I think you're going to see some of the new players make their debut. It could be an exciting match for you to see. Again, it's the Carabao Cup, but I think you're going to see players you haven't seen before. So I would highly recommend watching that. Okay. Well, listen, this has been a great show. I, again, I, I can't thank everyone enough for watching us live. In England, it's, it's now – 11 p.m. at night. It's 6 o'clock our time, my friend. So I just want to thank everyone for checking out. But we do have to wrap this up. For my co-host, Max Cohen, and writer for Hamian.com, I'm Russ Cohen. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.